0: Hey everybody! Welcome to episode six. I can't believe we're at episode six already of the Evolve Pod. Uh, what an amazing process it's been so far. Uh, we've had some really good guests talking about some inspiring content. Uh, and this week, we're, uh, I'm bringing you something slightly different. We're we're looking at well-being on these podcasts, and one of the things that hasn't really come up yet is the subject of nutrition. So I've got a friend, uh, a friend and colleague and client of mine, actually, uh, James. Uh, on, on the pod today, James from Nutrition for Energy. Now, for those of you that know the Snowden Six Ways, um, James was an integral part on the Snowden Six Ways of setting up my nutrition plan to essentially fuel me, not just for the 18 or so hours on the mountain, but it was the, the lead up to that to that challenge that James really helped with. And I fundamentally believe that it was James's plan that enabled me to finish the Snowden Six Ways in, in the way that I did, which was without pain, without lack of energy and with a smile on my face pretty much the whole time. Um, so, James, thank you very much for that. There's, um, we could delve into the Snowden Six Ways and your role in that for, for quite a long time. We're going to park that for now and we'll come to that maybe on another podcast. But welcome to the Evolve Pod. Thanks for coming on. Um, give the listeners a little bit of uh, information about you and uh, where you're at and what you're up to.
1: Sweet, um hey Ali, thanks for having me on. Um I'm James Hudson. I I am I'm 20, I'm actually 29 tomorrow, birthday tomorrow. Um, but I'm a sport nutritionist. So what that means is I sit down with athletes, with recreational athletes, or even just people that like sport and wouldn't really class themselves as athletes, and I talk to them about food. Um I try and Talk to them about food but in a way that's going to improve their performance so be that improve their actual enjoyment of the training they're doing enjoyment of the race itself because for those of you who haven't done much nutrition work and then have gone out and just tried something and really struggled it might have been a nutritional element that went a bit awry so just if you can get the nutrition right with your sport it normally makes it much more enjoyable so i try and sort of put that as well onto the client and just embrace the the power of food really i suppose to improve performance
0: that's cool one of the things i've really liked about working with you so far is your ability to to not sort of rip up the rule book too much and apply what necessarily you think should be the done thing but it's about incorporating what me as an athlete what i like to eat the systems and practices that i already might have and how you can kind of tweak them And incorporate them into a revised plan without making massive changes too quickly so that's really cool about your approach of kind of taking the athlete's perspective as well as your own knowledge and integrating the two and i I think that's why your product and um, your services are really personalized and, and really good now for somebody listening to this they might want to know a little bit more about your background um in sports i know you do a lot of crossfit today like these days well when when you can get to the gym this year's been a bit tricky but tell everybody about your background with sports and and where this kind of love of nutrition came from because I mean has it always been something you've you've been interested in playing sports
1: um not always actually I mean growing up as a kid I was from my teenage years didn't eat any vegetables and now that's mainly what I eat um but nutrition was or my love for nutrition was inspired I suppose when i started university and i actually started doing a sport technology course at loughborough and about halfway through that i realized or halfway through the first year i realized that that was a an engineering degree and i was like oh yeah. i'm not in the, uh, not in the right. <laughs> i managed to move over into sports science which was phenomenal well it was phenomenal because it meant i um a lot of my credits transferred so i basically had two first years and the second first year I had a lot less credits. So I had a really good two um, drinking years at uni and then got my head down a bit and um, realized that I went, I was end up picking more of the nutrition based modules from sport and exercise science. So I was taking things like sugar, salt, fat, sport, nutrition, and just became fascinated. And part of my personality is I've just kept so absorbed by stuff. So suddenly I'm like, right, I'm into this. And then I'll go and research and read everything of all about it. So I became just a bit obsessed about sport nutrition towards the end of my last two years at university and then managed to get a, um, an internship at Harlequin's rugby football team, because actually my cousin's boyfriend was s and C coach there and sort of had a bit of an in. So did a whole nice. year as a, a nutrition intern, one of those horrible unpaid roles that you gain experience and it helps set you up. But I, I actually, it really did help set me up. It helped set up my career trajectory, and it gave me a hell of a lot of experience working with athletes. And that was where my nutrition philosophy you start to grow and develop it because some of the other modules I took at uni were all based around teaching and coaching. And I was a rugby coach as well at the time. I was, tech coaching some bits with the uh, Tigers community, and I really liked the sort of the the combination of teaching sport and exercise nutrition but then also thinking about it from a coaching perspective, because what I soon found when you start getting clients is that you can tell everyone the textbook or how you said it, you know, here's the rule book or whatever, but actually creating the behavior change is a completely different kettle of fish. So it's how you really package that information and, and deliver it. And in a way it's, it's like what you said, um, you've got to really build a relationship and get the trust. And there's a huge amount of coaching that goes with the nutrition information. So that was a bit about my background in sport nutrition. I sort of moved into Harlequins, and then the main nutritionist there, David Dunn, who was a bit of a mentor for me at the time and fantastic um, nutritionist, basically helped me get some jobs in sport nutrition after that year of unpaid work. So I then moved on and did a year with Richmond Rugby Football Team, who had just moved up into the Championship. So they just—it um, was a really interesting situation actually, because they're um, they're rugby players who work full-time jobs, but then they were moving into a league where they're playing against rugby players who are professional. So the nutritional considerations there were quite difficult because they're just, they're not really athletes. They're sort of part-time athletes and they've still got their jobs. So you're just basically focusing on recovery and trying to get as much good nutrition into them as possible when they're not out boozing and seeing clients. So it was different nutritional considerations, but my personal sporting background was rugby, so I found that a very easy fit to get on with the clients, or not the clients, get on with the team really, and just you got to muck in. So I really enjoyed that. And in that period of my life, I was also working with Oxford United football team, which was awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that role. Um, it was a bit stepping out of my comfort zone there because my background was just rugby, and didn't watch football didn't really enjoy watching football so it was suddenly learning how to interact with footballers and actually you know watch football so you've got something to talk about but it was great from a nutritional point of view because there's different nutritional considerations you're not just trying to get these guys as big and as strong as possible you're you're trying to make sure that they're able to fuel their training and actually footballers like the the season is so long they've got like almost two games a week quite a lot of the time on top of the training so there's just a huge amount of of running <laughs> like their the amount of running on their gps is huge so what are the nutritional considerations for that i think carbohydrates um but anyway there's just so much all these like little different elements and all these different jobs you pick up different skills so whenever i was trying to work with a different client i would always just try and say yes whatever sport it was because it meant you learn something new and that's what is so exciting for me in this role because I go and work with a gymnast and that was actually one of the first people I started working with this guy who qualified for Rio so I started doing some bits with them and then suddenly there's new nutritional considerations so you've got to go and do a load more reading and work out what's going on there and still focus on the coaching element and building their relationship and all of that so I I was doing team sports and I also then wanted to expand my nutritional education Edu- education Edification? education education so i started doing some bits with um birmingham triathlon club and that was my first foray really into nutrition for triathlon mm-hmm. and when i was doing some consultations with the guys there i suddenly realized that this is one hell of a sport and at the time i was still practice i was still playing rugby really um and just a bit of gym work and after after university i was basically didn't really have a rugby team and I thought you know I'm just in the gym and I was was lifting in the gym one day and I thought you know I'm I'm bored of lifting weights like I was a bit of a gym monkey and that's all I really did so I was sort of thinking oh what's different and actually I'm I'm learning about all this nutrition for triathlon and as I'm teaching all of this but wouldn't it be great if I had some experience of my own I could really mesh over and incorporate into my nutritional lectures, and actually, I'm going to learn a huge amount. I'm always up for a new challenge, and I just love learning stuff. So, I jumped in the deep end, um, obviously. So, first triathlon signed up to Ironman Nice. <laughs> um, I've done Ironman Nice. I know all about Ironman Nice.
0: It's not it's um, not a triathlon to be messed around with. So, fair, fair play to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it was quite so hilly um, on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> um i basically signed up to it because i'm very fortunate my granddad has a house um about an hour's drive from nice so i just figured oh, oh we'll nice. go down to it and then have a nice holiday it'll be great um but the 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 training for it was awesome and putting all that sport and exercise knowledge and actually because I, I programmed the training model myself really and um had a bit of a chat with a triathlon coach but that was and that's how i met ali because i Well, it was actually my my fiance's family bought me a open water swimming lesson because they thought this guy's gonna drown Um, (laughs) so that was one of the one of the reasons i wanted to do a triathlon because i was a horrendous swimmer like really really bad so ali sorted me out there um but yeah going through the whole training program doing the um doing swim bike run learning how to do bricks and then being able to practice all this nutrition that you learn and suddenly, a bit of a light bulb moment when I was thinking, "Oh my God, you you do all this nutrition stuff with team sports, and ultimately, the the outcome of the game is going to be determined by you know a pass or how well the team mesh together or a try, but actually, someone's performance in an Ironman, you can knock off hours of their time with a nutritional protocol." Or if you can manipulate their nutrition for their training in a way that means they're going to get the most out of each session, their performance is going to you know, just accelerate at no end. So I had this bit of a light bulb moment. I thought, I need to try and change my gears, really. Get out of doing nutrition for team sports and move into Ironman and do endurance sports because it's just fascinating me. Well,
0: that's one of the things I I really regret about my... Sort of, um, well, certainly my three three Ironman races was not taking my nutrition seriously enough. And I used to, particularly in the first couple, it, my mindset was, you know, I was in my early 30s, was oh, I'm training hard, I'm going to eat hard. And that was pretty much it. You know, you go up for right. six, seven hours on the bike, come back, smash a massive pizza. And that's essentially the nutrition plan because you're just getting the carbs in. But actually, there's so much more to it than that. And, and having done the Snowden Six Ways Challenge with you, essentially telling me what what to eat and when to eat it in in the days leading up to the challenge and the challenge itself, that suddenly became clear. It's always been clear to me in terms of coaching, because that's what I coach. That's what I'm trained to coach, that nutrition means a lot, but because I've never taken it as seriously as I probably should have for myself when it came to Snowden and completely followed the advice given to me. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. I, I was fueled and it was perfect and I never wanted for any energy because it was there all the time. So it's it's a it's a really cool what you were saying there about your journey from team sports into triathlon and and sort of solo sports and, and working with a Rio gymnast. I mean, that's amazing. And two things really spring out there for me, which we're going to come to in a little while, is the uh you mentioned about stepping outside your comfort zone on um to go to Oxford United Football Club and then coaching the Rio athlete and thinking, I probably don't know a hundred percent of what I should be coaching here, but I'm going to go away and research it and I'm going to learn it and I'm going to absorb all this stuff. And I think putting yourself out of that comfort zone is where as humans, we start to better ourselves and we start to really learn. And that's really exciting. And I think the passion that clearly comes across from what you were saying there, when you started to kind of have a go at triathlon and then think, oh, there's so much to be done here for people. How did you then, because I don't, as far as I'm aware, you didn't create, um, nutrition for energy straight away how did you kind of get into that industry then of being okay I'm going to start to help people on a one-to-one sort of basis what were you doing at the time and how did you kind of facilitate then then helping really helping these people on a one-to-one
1: well I was I was working with Richmond and I was working with Oxford and Mm. dabbling with um, Birmingham triathlon but In terms of my actual working hours i was probably doing about two and a half days a week and just in terms of income i wasn't really bringing in enough to be able to progress with my life in the way that i wanted to at the time i was still living at home and i wanted to you know get a mortgage move out get a get a house with a girlfriend that sort of thing so i was looking around and i ended up taking a job into the protein supplement industry and that is so i we're talking about this offline and i i i took a job with protein world who had recently become famous for the um the very yellow bikini clad advert that was all over the tube so a little bit of a sort of alternative move but i i liked supplements i was a sport nutritionist i had very good knowledge on sport nutrition so i started there as a nutritional advisor which was five days a week and suddenly i had an income i could actually move out i could do all these things in my life and i was thinking well let's just maybe put the sport nutrition on the back burner for a bit and get set up and do life really and and see what um how things can move in the sport nutrition industry so i was i was doing acting as a nutritional advisor and then i very soon realized that i was fascinated by um the product development side of things so i was just shadowing the head of product and learning how he actually brings new products and new supplements to market. Um, Protein World do meal replacement shakes as their main product, but they also do things like protein bars and capsules and this, that the other. Um, So I was just learning how to formulate products and take it through the whole design process to launch. And I'm so glad I did that. I I did very much enjoy the role, but after about a year, year and a half, I started having feelings that, you know, I'm, I'm actually moving away from the sort of trajectory that I wanted to wanted to really take my life in. I wanted to get back into sport nutrition and I wanted to work with people one-on-one again. But the two years prior when I was self-employed, I just don't think I had the skills ne- needed to be able to run my own business. I didn't really have the knowledge. I was just a bit young and naive. Whereas having been through a more corporate company and you learn different areas you learn some things with finance and graphic design and marketing and you learn all these different things and you think actually i think i could run my company now because you can you learn how people run their businesses and you think actually i can take this i can not take that and then put that into my own ethos and i feel like i'm ready to actually launch my own brand now
0: cool and was there anything within that protein world protein that that sort of industry that you said it, it was a good journey, and you're happy you did that. Was there anything that you were uncomfortable with in that industry?
1: Yeah, a bit of a bit of a loaded question, but <laughs> yes, yeah, there is actually. Um, I think it's a difficult one because the market, um, or who Protein World marketed it, all their their shakes and products to, it was predominantly eighteen to twenty eight female, um, maybe not particularly affluent but have enough money to buy some products and go on holiday. And then all the marketing is geared around, you know, let's get fit for your holiday. Let's do a quick weight loss program. What we're marketing is a meal replacement shake, which is a product that's about 200 calories and very high protein. It's got full set of vitamins and minerals. So it can qualify as a meal replacement, but actually when you, when I sit and reflect on my philosophy on nutrition you you end up questioning, you know, is this the best way to do that? To do that? Is, is it going to be a sustainable way of helping someone lose weight and maintaining that more stable weight loss? Whereas actually it's just a very, very good business model for a supplement company because the, the weight loss model doesn't work. You have rapid weight loss because you've made an unsustainable caloric intake You then put the weight back on. Hey, let's market you uh, get fit for winter or whatever it is. So you're in this catch 22 and that it just didn't sit very well. It almost feels that towards the end, like we're sort of preying on these on these poor people. So I thought, hey, I I want to step up my own brand and really think about the philosophy. So when I and (laughs) this makes me think of um it makes me think of names uh, interview where he's very, very conscious of why he started his business but it's a similar thing actually And i thought you know what's my philosophy what am i trying to do here and i want to empower people to make good nutritional choices to improve their performance but also have habits that are sustainable and they're going to serve them for life
0: that's a really key thing for me in terms of um changing people excuse me changing someone's approach to something is is giving them the skills and the tools not just to necessarily in this case make them a better athlete but actually to make their their habits and their choices give them more longevity with their lifestyle um and i think that's a really cool a really nice and a relatively refreshing philosophy to have particularly in the nutrition world because there's a lot there's a lot of um products and marketing out there that is so almost in your face and so sort of uh orientated around the look and that kind of thing that it's not it's not massively healthy and so to
1: be notice ali i don't actually have any before and after photos on my page and that was a conscious decision it's not that i haven't had them sent through it's just i don't want to be marketing this hey you'll do this plan six weeks to abs and even when I was trying to do the six week challenge uh, marketing, I was marketing it saying, you know, it's a terrible business model. I'm hoping to give you this information that you're then going to not need me again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the part of my philosophy, I thought, you know, if I just have to be able to spread that information to more people, then ultimately that's fantastic because it means i haven't just had the same people over and over again i've actually spread the message to more people so mm. it was a bit of a win anyway
0: nice nice okay so that's that's a really good picture of nutrition for energy and and, and how and why you got to setting it up i think um you know that's, that's that's a really nice kind of line into where you are now with the business how long have you been been trading with uh, nutrition for energy now
1: it is just over a year now, actually. Um, it was a year in September, so about a year and three months. Nice one, congratulations!
0: <laughs> um, I, I want to talk to you as well about um, these. These things keep coming up, particularly in the last sort of three or four years, and they're the types of diets that that the listeners may have tried or heard about. I've certainly dabbled with a few from my own research. You know, using myself as a guinea pig. Um, my wife Annie, she's she's tried a few. Um, various diets as well but i wanted to get your sort of professional take on them in in terms of the things like we're looking at the vegan diet and the paleo diet and etc and what you know what not what your thought is on each and every one of them but in terms of as an individual if you're looking at mixing up your diet and, and setting yourself some new parameters to work with what's your advice on that would you would you say sort of research a particular title should we say vegan for example or would you look at the options and start to create a blend of what is actually going to be best for you
1: um definitely the the latter however that's going to be very difficult because in the nutrition blogosphere there's so many people competing for our opinion or not so many people competing for our our market really there's people trying to sell us stuff so it's it's incredibly difficult thing to do and it's almost easier to say oh i'm just going to be paleo or I'll be new vegan and then you're part of that tribe and you can close your ears off and just go go with that type of nutrition program but it's probably then not the most effective way or well, not necessarily the most effective but it's going to be restrictive because that's the nature of those diets yeah
0: so i remember trying the i tried i went vegan for about six or seven months but I didn't really fuel myself effectively for it and kind of gave up on it. And I think if I'd have had a little bit more input or looked out for a bit more input from someone such as yourself, I may have been able to do it uh, or slightly more educated and it may have worked a bit better for me. So I think definitely if any listeners are looking to get some help with their diet, it's like, you know, it's like getting a personal trainer. It's like getting a coach it's it's it allowing you to better yourself in terms of your well-being and also for your performance as an athlete so it's definitely worth getting some help on that front so obviously i'd say, that,
1: I'd say just to jump back to back to the yeah. question asked prior um you need to try and work out your why like yeah. so why would you want to be eating paleo or vegan i mean if your why is maybe um environmental reasons then that's absolutely fine let's you can eat that way maybe eat less meat products you don't actually have to be specifically vegan to eat a more environmental diet you can eat more plant-based and i actually much prefer that term because it's not quite as loaded you don't get sort of um, branded quite as much (laughs) but um yeah so if you're for going for these sort of diets they are restrictive in nature but actually do you have to eat that way the whole time you mentioned a more flexible approach so if you know your why Then it will allow you to make decisions around it. So for myself personally, I I had this debate. I was like, you know, what? How am I gonna fuel myself? So what I've landed on is a pescatarian diet that I try and eat in an environmental way. And by that, that what I mean is I don't overconsume fish. So when I first became pescatarian vegetarian, I was eating huge amounts of fish because I was like, I need to be getting high protein and all of this. And I thought actually that's probably all equally not as sustainable because I'm having a huge amount of seafood so maybe I'll try and limit myself to fish once a week and the reason I'm still want to incorporate fish into my diet or seafood is because I really enjoy the taste of seafood and I find there's a great range there and we want to encourage people to eat a diet that they like and they enjoy because then they're far more likely to keep doing that and the benefits from these diets come from how well you can sustain them so actually I eat that sort of diet I I haven't eaten meat for about five years now, but I replaced it. And I don't think eating meat is unhealthy. But I think when you make the swap and I made that swap for environmental reasons, I think when you do make the swap, you end up putting in more vegetables and you end up putting in a wider range of vegetables simply because you're replacing things. And I think that is quite a healthful element. So you can eat an omnivorous diet that is very healthful as long as you are putting in a huge amount of range. And that's the key and that is basically the opposite of these restrictive diets yeah have a huge amount of range
0: yeah no that's really interesting i think uh, what what really strikes me is the what you said there and you know you've heard me talk about it quite a lot you know is that you're understanding your reasons why i think with anything if you can understand your reasons why it allows your decision making to be so much more on point because you you do understand things on a deeper level and so you can be at peace with that and you can be okay with that and really really kind of start to fuel yourself in this case really effectively uh, and knowing what the goals are and what the outcomes are rather than just doing a diet for the sake of doing a diet and I think yeah your kind of your views on not necessarily restricting yourself too much is a really good thing because essentially food and eating needs to be pleasurable it needs to be something to look forward to and not uh, not as a reward i don't want to eat such and such because i've done x y and z it needs to be i ought to eat something because i want to eat it i like to eat it and it's going to do me good and i think we've done some really interesting work with some of our clients on how you appreciate that food and even going so far as to engage with that food while it's in your mouth what does it taste like what's the texture like what's the what does it smell like? All that kind of stuff, and building up this really cool positive relationship with your food. And I remember one comment you gave to me in Snowdon. I think on the, the day of the race, when I was munching down some food, you, you just looked at me and just said, "Slow down and chew," <laughs> which is really important because it kind of on a, on a number of reasons for, for for that one. But you know, suddenly, okay, yeah, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to start to enjoy my food and get to know it a bit better on on that deeper level rather than just being told this is what i can eat and this is what i can't so i'm going to eat what i can
1: i think that's really cool um, on, that, on that point ali yes yeah. h- how we eat is so underrated mm. if you think about the maybe let's take the mediterranean diet for it as an example here like we see these sort of yeah super healthful diet for longevity but then it, it's i mean maybe not half of it but a huge amount of the benefit of that type of diet is how the French or how the Italians, how the Greek eat, you know, it's they eat very slowly. They they don't have TV on at the same time. They sit, they talk, they enjoy their food. And actually, then your body's able to really tap into your hunger signals. So they're unlikely then to overeat because they've taken so long. they are actually receiving the, the signal saying you're full. You don't need any more.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think that's certainly certainly something we. I think most people listening will feel they get caught out on sometimes is eating quickly because you've got to rush on to the next thing, or you know, eating sitting down with your feet up on a tray, watching the telly, or something like that, which is possibly from what you said there, maybe not the best habits. Um, But you talk about overeating there and listening to your hunger, um, your hunger kind of nuances, and you know. Tapping into how you feel when you eat, which leads me on to my next point, which is why we're kind of recording this pod now, just before Christmas. Is Christmas is a tricky time for people regarding nutrition and alcohol, because it's traditionally a time when you mince pies, Christmas cake, yule log, then you've got your Christmas dinner, then you've got the leftovers that need to be eaten. You've got all this food, and everything is almost revolved around food, and Christmas food is just brilliant it's amazing and you know i can i still think my mum's christmas dinner is better than anyone else's um and and on top of that you've got you know the beers and the wines and the ports and the sherries and whatever else is going to be you know taken in over christmas so i wanted to get your take on how you can still enjoy those elements of christmas being with your family being with your friends potentially you know having some delicious food and enjoying it But without taking it to a point where you're getting over the top and potentially stressing yourself out, you know, it's a classic thing to be sat on a sofa at seven o'clock, eight o'clock on Christmas Day, feeling meat sweats or, you know, how do we kind of, how come, in your opinion, how can we enjoy those foods, enjoy those meals, but dare I say it sensibly?
1: (laughs) Well, I think the first thing is that you've said it yourself. Um, the food around Christmas is is such a part of the holiday. It's actually it's it's an emotional thing. It's and this is why the sort of the calories and the macronutrients of food, yes, that's going to be important for fueling us, but there's so much more to food. Like food is actually a pleasure. It's a real pleasure in life and it should be enjoyed. So I'm glad you're saying that we we should still enjoy the food we're gonna be having. Definitely. Um and I mean the dose is in the poison the, or the other way around the poison's in the dose so ways that you can help navigate that space are just just try and make it easier on your i think i'll try and explain it's like you're on your reptilian brain that's going to be the part of your brain that's saying hey just have those crisps now and then we'll have the olives and then we'll get stuck into the yule log and then all oh, the cheese boards out and we'll just keep going and going how can we make that easier for ourselves for the other part of our brain the human brain to actually make a more conscious decision because by all means we should have all that food out we should have all the um different types the variety all that all that fun stuff we're not saying don't have that but we want to say how can we actually manage that space so little things like if you've got the the starters out or something like that Just think about the timing that you bring that out how long is that actually going to be circulating before you before you then sit down for main course typically the longer it's circulating the more you're going to eat (laughs) so there's little things like that like if you've had enough like maybe move it to the other side of the room like circulate it somewhere else so that you're not then tempted to keep overeating if you don't want to um other things so with the main meal itself um Get a slightly smaller plate and then don't just load it huge amounts because <laughs> we're all gonna go back for seconds, right? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So the, there's gonna be plenty of food. There always is. Um, well, I'm saying that we're in quite privileged circles, but um very much hope that everyone does have a good amount of food around Christmas time. But have a t- take yourself to a slightly smaller plate to start with, because that means you're then gonna sit down, you can eat it slower really try and enjoy the food and savor it. And that comes back to your um, uh, anecdote on I was taking everyone through a mindful eating approach. Really, like food is a pleasure. And I've said that a few times now, but especially around Christmas time, everyone's put a huge amount of time and effort into creating this lovely food. So taste it, don't just wolf it down. And that will be one of the main take-homes I think around Christmas is slow down when you're eating maybe just actually good tip would be to put your knife and fork down between mouthfuls, like drink a little bit more water as you're consuming your food and talk to people really think, okay, I'm having something different on my fork this time. How does that taste? How does, what's the texture of that? Like, I mean, I've probably got people salivating a little bit thinking about Christmas, but (laughs) that's the whole point. We want you to really enjoy the food. And then if you're eating slower, you might not then want to go back for thirds, fourths, fifths, that sort of thing. Because you'll be a little bit more in tune with your body and you'll be able to notice when you're filling up. That's not to say that you shouldn't then actually go and have a bit more because, hey, if there's any day of the year, Christmas is probably a good one to indulge in. But yeah, we need to think about how much. And I suppose around alcohol, I would suggest water every other time if possible, or maybe not every other time, but just have a glass of water somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of starting on the beers, moving to the wines, just let's, let's get a tumbler of water out. Or put some water in the fridge with maybe some lemon in, maybe some mint, make that water a little bit more attractive because it's probably not going to look very attractive compared to the other sort of um, fluid that you might be drinking. So make yourself more likely to have that. So that as throughout the day, you're probably going to be eating quite a lot of salty meals. You're not drinking alcohol for thirst you can actually enjoy the alcohol. Okay. And then another point on the alcohol is slow down on that as well. Like yeah. We we often drink alcohol and we just doof nail it, but actually there's a huge amount of flavor in that. You're probably drinking that because you really like the taste of it. So why not slow down on that as well and that might help you navigate that space a little bit more successfully.
0: That's great, really interesting. I want to go back slightly to it's still on the same subject of, you know, overeating and and tapping into how you feel when you eat can you this might sound like a silly question but can you can you give us the kind of the physiological triggers that you should start to feel or get as you're on the way to actually being full, not on the way to finishing eating, but on the way to your, you know, your stomach being full and, yeah. you know, you sensibly shouldn't eat anymore, but we probably will because it's Christmas. <laughs> what can you, can you, can you just kind of highlight what people might actually feel at that point? Because I think, you know, certainly over Christmas in years gone by, I, I've haven't recognized it and paid the price later because I'm stuffed like literally, right up <laughs> as far as the food can go, yeah, because I've missed those triggers. I've missed that feeling of I'm full because I don't know maybe I'm eating too fast, but if it sounds like quite a basic question, but it might just help someone realize when they have got to a point where they don't necessarily need to eat anymore,
1: yeah, of course, I mean the whole the whole thing starts, like we can talk through the digestion cascade, I suppose, because that's where the whole thing starts, and it starts in the preparation, so when i mean i'll do a quick analogy when you're queuing for a roller coaster right they don't put the queue sort of in a in a tube or in a building you actually queue right underneath the roller coaster and the reason for that is it will make you enjoy the roller coaster a lot more if you're seeing everyone having fun and you're part of the experience Mm -hmm. the same thing with food if you're part of the cooking and the preparation period you're more likely to actually enjoy it and get more out of that so try and be part of that in some sort of way if possible and then when the food's coming out what's going to happen physiologically is the first thing is you're going to get this saliva response because you might smell the food, see the food and you're like, "Mm, yeah, I'm I'm getting some saliva coming on my mouth. But what that's doing is it's your body, um, starting the first part of the digestion cascade. There's amylase in the mouth, in the saliva, which is going to start digesting any carbohydrates you put in your mouth. So that's the first part. And that's something to actually just maybe try and clock next time you get some food out and think, oh, this is the first part of the digestion cascade. remember James from Nutrition for Energy talking at length about it? So try and clock that. And then when you have the food, make sure you're chewing it. So I've already spoken quite a bit about slowing down and chewing your food more. But when you do that, what's happening is it's giving your Body time to register. Hey, we're eating food. So what that does is you'll then so it'll be your brain will be registering. Yes, we're chewing. We're mastating food. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but then we're going to be sending signals to the organs. Um, like pancreas starts secreting uh, starts secreting enzymes that can help with the digestion. Hey, food's coming, guys. This is great. So we then swallow the food. A um, stomach gets moving, starts the churning process and when the more you eat so the more volume of food you eat then what happens in the stomach is we get this stretch receptor response and that's one of the three responses that is going to be signaling back to the brain hey you're you're filling up you're you're having some food you're having some energy you're having something that's nourishing us Um, and that's the first sort of response and that's why if you're looking for a weight loss diet You want to eat large volumes of food which are low in calories so you want to eat these high water high fiber foods because they're filling and they give you that signal that hey you're full but you haven't actually eaten much so on the flip side to that one if you're eating these high fat foods which are calorie dense or maybe chocolate for example they're calorie dense but they don't have a big volume then suddenly you're putting a lot of calories in and you're not really getting this stretch response so think about the stretch response in the stomach probably the more you eat the more it's going to stretch Hopefully that comes back. You also have a response in the stomach, which determines the macronutrient that's in there. So that's why if you just have a gallon of water, yeah, there's a big volume, but it's not actually much um, calories in there. So your body will be able to register if you've had a lot of carbohydrate, proteins, fats, it'll be able to say, hey, we've had some calories. So that's why um, when you're having alcohol, like you're going to be able to consume a hell of a large amount, but actually maybe not feel that full um then so we and then the final one is the hormonal response so this takes a little bit of time and this is why i was pushing to slow down with the food as well because it's unlike a a nerve which goes really quickly the it's a hormone so it's going to move through the blood it's going to move a little bit slower so this might take around 20 minutes but actually once we've eaten and if we can then maybe wait 10 15 minutes before going back and having cheese or going back for seconds that allows time for the hormones to signal to the brain and say, Hey, you're filling up. You've had some food. So our our hormone leptin, which is secreted by our fat cells is going to should be triggering saying, Hey, like it's time to rest and digest. It's time to slow down, stop eating. Cool.
0: I'm definitely going to start slowing down with my eating. Definitely. Having <laughs> I mean, listened to that, I think, particularly over the coming weeks with all the indulgence that is is available. I think definitely it, uh, slowing down will, will really help. But um kind of moving on a bit towards what you know what you do with your with your clients, um, your athletes and the and the people you work with. You've recently worked with with quite a few of my athletes and the tristrum coaching team on um their nutrition and it's via these this six-week program that you've that you've mentioned a couple of times tonight on the on the pod can you give people a little bit of information about the six week program I know it can help um and how it can help them and yeah you know where where can they find out more about you where how can they
1: contact you thanks um so the six-week challenge is a nutritional video series but it's, I market it as a challenge because it's a lot more exciting to do a challenge, right? <laughs> um, so there are four videos a week for six weeks, and then there's a little action point off the back of each video. So the idea is that you don't just sit and absorb the information, you then do something. You You practice whatever piece of information is in that video and you start implementing it into your diet. And that way you start practicing all this stuff and you start seeing success so it's not a quick fix it's very much what you put into it is be what you get out so it's very different to those um instagram six weeks to abs i'm not giving you a meal plan i'm explaining how to eat around your training plan and how to actually plan that yourself so that you can increase your performance reach your body composition goal it's it's teaching applied sport nutrition so i've launched that twice um this year and it's been hugely successful actually i I was a bit nervous about launching it, especially as a new business. But just seeing some of the results people are getting it just putting this massive smile on my face. And like you said, some of the guys from Try Some Coaching have, have done really well through it as well. I think my plan is to relaunch it in January. So if there are those out who don't manage to slow down quite so much around Christmas time, it might be a good shout <laughs> to um to get back into the nutrition groove. My um I didn't actually explain at the start, I was meant to um say, yes, I'm actually a registered sport nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> I just that in. um yeah I did a I didn't actually say it. I finished my university course and did a two-year postgraduate diploma in sport nutrition and then was became registered on the sport and exercise nutrition registry so I'm not just some one of Ali's mates <laughs> um, and I've been trying to grow my social um recently so the best place to really get me I suppose is my Instagram account which is nutrition full stop 4, for for Full stop energy, nutrition for energy. Great.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people getting in contact with you, whether that's for the six week challenge or, or just because you do consultations as well, um, just to help people out, one, you know, on one off or on a kind of um, a run of sessions. So I think that's you know everything content wise I wanted to kind of chat to you about tonight it's been really interesting one question I wanted to just to throw at you towards the end is what do you what do you see the future of nutrition looking like in terms of you know any future trends that we that you can see coming up around the corner or it start is it starting to kind of become a little bit more less sales and marketing a little bit more actually this is what nutrition is actually should be what people should be eating and the correct habits they should be making because if that's the case i see you and nutrition for energy is almost a bit of a kind of pioneer nutrition business
1: (laughs) um i'm not sure because unfortunately where all the money is is in the big companies and they're the ones driving the whole paradigm of calories in calories out so that means lots of low sugar products lots of artificial sweeteners whereas where I'd like to see things go is more of a a throwback to actually eating more whole food. And I think that wave is slowly growing. And I think as the plant-based and the vegan movement is growing tenfold, like it's absolutely thriving. I think people are going to start eating a lot more sustainably. So what that means is I suppose for where the future of nutrition is going, I think big business will probably just jump on that somehow and then start marketing as selling broccoli or whatever for a lot more money than it's probably worth Yeah. but um hopefully less less processed food because we're all becoming increasingly aware that although it tastes good it's it's not healthy for us
0: yeah yeah well look james i really appreciate you giving up your time to come and join join me on the pod tonight it's been really interesting it's
1: been a pleasure
0: <laughs> it's, been, it's really cool to talk and find out you know i i know quite a lot about your business because we chat about it quite often but there's always things on on the podcast that I learn about people as we go. And it's been really interesting and, and genuinely appreciate your help, not just tonight, but on the Snowden Six Ways and over the last couple of years with various things that we've had with both our coaching business and just personal help on, on the, you know, what and when to eat the right foods so yeah thank you very much james and if anybody wants to get in touch it's nutrition for energy and at nutrition for energy on instagram is the best way to get hold of james and if you need any help with your food i definitely recommend getting in touch because james the way he works the the way he kind of delivers the projects delivers the information that you need is is really personable and um, he's a great guy so mate thank you very much thank you very much indeed So we're going to wrap up now. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And um, if we don't speak to you before, have a great Christmas and we'll see you probably or you'll hear from us probably in the new year. Take care, everyone.